One. Welcome to the Pokes Cast, powered by the Casper Star Tribune. I'm Ryan Thorburn. I cover Wyoming football, basketball, and other stuff for the newspaper. So thanks so much for joining me. And uh, I'll start out with an apology. We haven't recorded a podcast since before the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Uh, quite a bit has happened since then. And, you know, as Jeff Linder would say, there are no excuses, but keeping up with all of the comings and goings in football and, and obviously uh, what could be a historic basketball season has kept me pretty busy. So uh, without further ado, let's talk about, um, let's start out with Jeff Linder's team and, and bring in uh, my friend, Robert Gagliardi, uh, who did this job for many years for the Cheyenne and Laramie papers. Robert, good to see you again. Happy new year. Happy New Year. I know it's been a while, but it's certainly good to be back. And yeah, lots to talk about. But uh, well, you, Ryan, but this is this basketball season just continues to just amaze me. You know, I think, you know, thought, you know, Wyoming would be improved from last year. And even though with the COVID, with the goofy year with COVID and everything, you even weren't really quite sure what, you know, what that improvement would mean. But I won't lie. I, I thought they'd be better, to, you know, this much better. I think, uh, been pleasantly surprised of what we what I've seen so far from this basketball team. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, obviously they were picked to finish tied for eighth with New Mexico in the preseason poll. Uh, I don't have the exact number. I think I had them fifth or sixth, which you know is higher than than everyone else mostly, but still way below what they're doing at this point. They're in contention for the title. Uh, it, it's been a great story. I mean, Jeff Linder is the runaway. Mountain West coach of the year, in my opinion. And, you know, he's on the, uh, the short list for the, uh, the Naismith award for national coach of the year. So uh, great job by him to come in during COVID and, and turn around a program that was absolutely floundering with back-to-back 24 lost seasons. Uh, you know, I wrote about it for Sunday, start to being about the return of the dome of doom. I mean, it's been years, I think, <clears throat> Some of those Nats teams had it going a little bit at home. You know, I covered a Colorado game where they beat Colorado, and that was a really great crowd. Um, but obviously, this harkens back maybe to the to the uh, McLean days 20 years ago when they last won a Mountain West championship. Yeah, you know, it's you know, Ryan, you've you've been in, in the arena whether as a as a fan or even covering games where you know you could get 5000 people in there and it still can get really loud and the atmosphere can be really really special and to just see that coming back again you know i'm reading your story that you know his first home game you know what 1200 fans you know when he got to wyoming and just the the transformation and it just goes to show you that we've known for years and wyoming fans have known for years where you put a quality product on the field or on the court and people will come you know, and it's nice to see that and not just the fans, but obviously more involvement from the student section. And, and really, since they reconfigured, reconfigured the arena auditorium when they did the renovations, you know, that's the best. It's the best since that reconfiguration. And it's just been great to see and, you know, get 8000 people in there. And, you know, that magical run a couple of weeks ago when they beat Boise and Colorado State at home and the crowds and the way the games went. And it's just it's kind of like, a, it's like a storybook kind of season so far. And granted, there's, you know, we're getting to the tail end of the regular season. There's a lot of really important games to go. And we don't know how this book is going to end on this season, 
but up to this point, I mean, it's it's almost been like a fairy tale in some respects, a, story, a storybook season. I'm just uh, really anxious to see how this uh, this part of the book uh, uh, concludes. Yeah, to your point, you know, obviously the back-to-back home wins over Colorado State and Boise State, they're two primary con- challengers for the Mountain West. You know, San Diego State's coming on right now. That was special, you know, and obviously the students stormed the court after both those games. But uh, to your point about the new AA, you know, they had less than 6,000 for the weeknight game against Utah State, which was equally important, obviously. And that crowd was the loudest, I think, of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, if you get five, 6,000 rowdy fans the way the court's set up now and with the students on top of the opposing bench, it can really get loud and, and... um, you know, the other day against Air Force, they had, you know, over 8,000. It was a great crowd, but it was kind of subdued just with the tempo and, and Wyoming had a 13-point lead. And, and it was kind of quiet in there. And then all of a sudden, Air Force gets chippy. They try to get into a Wyoming's huddle. There's some shoving. Uh, Nick Jackson knocks down a three and gives the fans the shush sign. Big mistake. It got it got old school rowdy in there and obviously Wyoming uh, won that game as well. So that leads us to the border war this Wednesday uh, at Moby arena. They're having a similar uh, scenario where they're selling out games and, and, you know, this is supposed to be their magical year. They were picked to win the league and, and lo and behold, their rivals come in ahead of them in the standings and Moby will be sold out on Wednesday. Really uh, a massive game with, title implications for both programs. In my advance, I was trying to think about when was the last time Wyoming and Colorado State were both good enough to win a conference championship in the same season? And I probably am missing a few, but I pointed back that you could argue this is the biggest game between the two rivals since the 1988 WAC tournament when Wyoming beat CSU on a, on a, Christian Leitner style buzzer beater that Eric Lechner pulled off in the, in the semis of the WAC tournament. Wyoming goes on the next night to be UTEP to, to go punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament with another win. CSU settles for the NIT and ends up going to New York as an NIT final four team. And then the next year they got the NCAA tournament. So that little era where they were both NCAA caliber teams, I can't think of many others. Can you? I can't either. I was thinking about that too, you know, leading up to this and, you know, there's certainly been times where, you know, one or the other team was pretty good or they both been okay. And even times when both weren't really that great, but I can't remember at least, uh, other than that example you gave Ryan that, you know, there was so much on the line where both teams are right in the, in the thick of winning a regular season conference championship. And that just adds, look, I think Ryan, we both know whether we're talking football or basketball, when it comes to the border war, all, a lot of that stuff doesn't necessarily matter just as far as the intensity and the rivalry and stuff but you throw this on top of that and it just takes that to, to, to whole new levels. So um, it's, it should be really exciting. You know, you've covered games at Moby. I've certainly covered games there where, you know, you know, you get, you know, Moby may be one of the more intimate uh, atmospheres in the, in the mountain West, as far as the size of arenas, but there's, you know, that's one of the more raucous arenas in the, in not just the conference, but maybe in the country, just because of its setup when it gets packed. And this is maybe one of the biggest, at least what's on the line. I mean, granted, no matter who wins tomorrow night or, or what, you know, there's still a lot of important games left to be played, but this is arguably one of the biggest regular season games between these two, pro- these two programs in this rivalry. 
over 30, 40 years. I think it's, I don't think that's far away to say that. I think that's, that's safe to say at this point. Yeah. And we're old enough to remember when it was Moby Jim and that's what it is. It's a, it's a gym and I love it. I think it's a great atmosphere and, you know, Wyoming kind of downsizing the cavernous arena auditorium to create more of that intimate atmosphere. And obviously, you know, the video boards take up a lot of the seats they used to have and stuff like that, the, the wider seat backs, but Moby arena always has had that intimacy and, and this game, you know, a lot of years is the only one they sell out. That's not the case this year. And one of the reasons is they have a superstar in David Roddy, who is surrounded by other great players. And I think you could argue he's uh, in the mix for the Mountain West Player of the Year, unless it's Hunter Maldonado or Graham E.K. So that'll be interesting with the voting to see if, you know, Wyoming's guys cancel each other out and Roddy gets it or if. Uh, one of Wyoming's star players gets it because clearly those three guys are among the top five Mountain West players and should be on the first team. So uh, a lot of star power tomorrow night in addition to the stakes that, that these teams have. And I think the stakes are more about winning the Mountain West than necessarily the NCAA tournament. This, I think both these teams are going to the NCAA tournament uh, unless they really tank down the stretch. I think so. I, I, you know, I guess there's a, there's a part of me, Ryan, you know, whether you're talking about Wyoming or even Colorado State, I know you got Utah, you know, San Diego State's in that mix. I mean, it's it's shaping up to be, you know, one of the best years for Mountain West basketball in, in, in quite some time. But I'm still, I guess, a little early because, you know, the Mountain West, I know if you talk to anyone in the conference office, they're not a mid-major. And I'm, I, 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 I get that, but I think in the eyes of a lot of the committee, you know, in, in, in the NCAA basketball tournament, they are. So I don't think there's a lot of margin of error for these Mountain West teams. And I'm not saying like the if whoever the loser of tomorrow night's border war game is out of the NCAA basketball tournament, not at all. But I think these teams still need to take care of business. You know, there may be a setback here or there. They still need to do well. They can't, you know, they like you said, they can't, you know, stumble down the road down these last four or five regular season games, whatever each one has. They can't get upset in the first round or their first game of the Mountain West tournament. You know, they can't. I still think their margin of error is, is thin as far as doing that. But I think as of today, yeah, you look at all the projections. And again, that's fun to th- say. And, you know, when's, you know, it's been seven, eight years since Wyoming's even been any, in a projection to the NCAA basketball tournament. So that's fun. But I guess there's just a, the skeptical side of me is like, it's great to talk about. At least there we are talking about that. But there's still a lot of work to be done, you know, because I'm just, you know, I'd like to see the Mountain. I think the Mountain West is certainly deserving of a of a three-bid league, maybe four, depending how it goes. But for that to happen, I still think they have to play good basketball down the stretch and, and someone could get easily get left out no matter what their net ranking is or what their overall record is or any of that kind of stuff. So I'm, I guess I'm a little leery and skeptical, but I really would love to see at least three, maybe four teams go to the NCAA tournament. But we'll just see how these – you know, these last two weeks of the regular season or so are, are going to be really telling to see just how that picture is going to shape out. Yeah, yeah. we're taping this on Tuesday. And as of Tuesday, uh, most bracket projections, uh, including Lenardi on ESPN, and I think Jerry Palm on CBS have the top four Mountain West teams going to the NCAA tournament. Now, tonight, Tuesday night, uh, San Diego State plays Boise State in Boise. And obviously tomorrow night, Wednesday night, Wyoming plays Colorado State in Fort Collins. So uh, two of those teams are going to have losses 
going into the weekend. So, uh, you know, it'll just be interesting to see how it all sorts out. You know, Colorado State is is two back in the race. But the, the reason I say they're still in contention, they host Wyoming. Uh, they also host Boise State. So there's a path for them to jump right back to the top with the right results. And uh, uh, you mentioned the rankings. Wyoming was ranked last week, number 22, first time in the AP poll in seven years. It was short-lived uh, with the loss at New Mexico. And to your point about, you know, you got to win that first Mountain West tournament game, get to the semis maybe to feel safe. That's, uh, that's a tall task in this year. You know, Wyoming kind of has their kryptonite a little bit in New Mexico, beat them by two in Laramie. And Colorado State has a UNLV problem. Uh, they were blown out by the Rebels on Saturday night and had lost to them previously at home. So, you know, if Wyoming has to play New Mexico in that quarterfinal and CSU has to play UNLV, I mean, that's a tall task. And I, you could even argue that Nevada has the talent to make a run. Uh, you could argue that Utah State has the talent to, to make a run. So, you know, this thing is, you know, seven, eight teams deep this year. You know, absolutely. And you look at, you know, you know, you can make, you can look at what the tournament would look like today. You can look, see what it looks like tomorrow. But I saw over the weekend when Wyoming's playing Air Force that, you know, you know, they can maybe see the seven, 10 teams, you know, and that's Air Force and Utah State. And yeah, Wyoming swept those series, but those were, those were close games. And it's, you know, the cliche, it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. And those, those lower seeded teams certainly don't have the pressure as the higher seeded teams. And Wyoming, you know, we all kind of know Ryan Wyoming's always kind of relished the role of a, as of an underdog, but no matter, you know, as long, like you said, as long as nothing really just goes really a foul, Wyoming's going to be among the favorites at the Mountain West tournament, no matter what their seed's going to be. So that, that, that role is a little bit reversed. So how do you respond to that? So there's just a lot of other factors. You don't really know how that's going to go. So, you know, not just these last couple of weeks of the regular season, I think are going to be interesting, but the Mountain West tournament itself, has the makings of just absolutely insanity down there where some years, you know, you see upsets, but you kind of get a feel of what could really happen or which, who you might see in the finals and stuff. Honestly, if, as we're speaking today, Ryan, who there's a, there, there's a lot of different scenarios that you could see that are real, that are plausible. The, to you know, if teams making runs or upsets and this and that at the mountain West tournament. Yeah. 20 years ago when Wyoming last won the regular season title, um, I was at the Boulder camera, you know, covering the Broncos, but I remember they sent me to the Wyoming Colorado state game that year because Wyoming was doing so well. And, uh, you know, Steve McLean maybe was a hot name, maybe even in Boulder because uh, Ricardo Patton wasn't doing so well. And just, they wanted a story on, you know, how Wyoming was doing it. And at the time they were the, the front only front range team really that was doing much of anything. So I remember that game 20 years ago and then just kind of following it from afar as that progressed. Uh, I remember I was driving back from a spring football practice uh, in Boulder uh, on selection Sunday or, or some kind of event I was covering and listening to the radio as they went projection by projection, this team is the seventh seed in this bracket and they went through all the things. And then it kind of got down to the last couple of picks and the radio show went off. And Wyoming had not been mentioned yet. So I was like, okay, did they get in? So they were literally, I don't know if they were one of the last teams in, but they were the, the one of the last brackets announced. And uh, so my question to you is, do you think this team is going to sweat it out like that? Or, you know, with 25, 26 wins, 
and the strength of the Mountain West, do you think they're safely in the tournament this year? Uh, I'd like to think, Ryan, they are safely in if, you know, if they get to that, you know, 25, 26 wins, as long as they, you know, don't have a tailspin at the end of the regular season and in the early part, of, at least in the, you know, early parts of the Mountain West tournament. But again, Ryan, I know the Mountain West, I mean, you look at the, you look at the numbers, you know, it's, it's like, but you know, that selection committee, they don't, I mean, I'm not knocking them or anything, but I just, I don't know. I guess, I guess, I guess I'm not trying to him and ha, but I think they, there's still a chance. Obviously, if Wyoming wins the Mountain West tournament, there is no sweating, but they get to the championship game. I don't think they're going to probably be sweating it, but if they lose in the first round or maybe even the semifinals, depending on how they end the regular season. Yeah. I do think they're going to be sweating a little bit. Um, um, That's not a knock. I'm not trying to knock them. I just don't know if the, I'm still not convinced that the that the committee is going to see the Mountain West Conference like we see it, or like even other media around this part of the country sees it, or even around the the entire country sees it. I'm I'm just not sure because it's not like the Mountain West has perennially been a three four bid league. It's you know for a while it's just been a one bid league after that historic season where they sent what four or five in, then it's been a one bid league, and then they've been getting a couple. You know, the, the Mountain West isn't the ACC or the Big Ten or the Big 12 when it comes to basketball, at least as a consistent reputation. You know, now every year is supposed to be different. They're supposed to not, you know, do go off tradition or anything like that. But there's just a part of me that wonders if that's really that true when it comes to the committee. So I guess we'll wait and see. But if I'd say this, if Wyoming gets to the semi, if, you know, they finish 24, 25, 26 wins, they get to the semifinals of the NC of the Mountain West tournament, I'd feel pretty good. But if not, I, I, I still think there'll be some, some uneasy, uneasy feelings about that until they actually hear their name and, and on that selection Sunday. Yeah, I think if they finish in the top three of the Mountain West, they're good to go, uh, regardless what happens. But that's going to take some work here down the stretch. The good news is, you know, they have, after this border war at Moby, they have three of their last four at home where they have not lost this year. So I think if you win those and you either steal and win at Colorado State or UNLV, I think you have a great shot of uh, winning or sharing the regular season title, which I think would definitely guarantee that you're going to get in the NCAA tournament. But we shall see. Uh, It's fun to talk about, though, isn't it? I mean, I was in Oregon, obviously, but what was it like during the Alan Edwards era, era around here you know, I know, you know, Larry Shiat had a great run with, with Nance and Josh Adams and, and they got into the tournament and lost to Northern Illinois. But I mean, it had to be long winters around here. Oh, you know, long winters, you know, you're trying to just find, you know, you know, stories as you go, you know, obviously a lot of times, you know, especially the last year with, with, with coach Edwards, as great of a person as he was, and I still believe he's a good coach, you know, I mean, you're dealing with people's livelihoods here and, you know, but people are just, you know, get rid of them, do it now, this and that. And you're just trying to, you know, just focus on, on anything, you know, but obviously you're on, you've covered college sports enough, whether you're dealing with football, basketball, or any sport, when you know, the end's coming, you know, you're already kind of speculating about that. I mean, that's, that's really hard to do. And even for me, it was even kind of uncomfortable to do to basically speculate about who will be the next coach at the school you're covering when the guy, when the person that is the coach is still there, you know, that's, that's part of our jobs. You know, that's just the way it is, but yeah, there's some, you know, you're looking for any kind of light, not trying to like sugarcoat. Well, yeah, they're nine and 24, but they're really not that bad. It's not like that. You're just looking for good stories still. And sometimes that's, 
that's hard to come by, but it's just been so cool to see. And not just, obviously, you know, you see it, Ryan, the fans are behind the, you know, interest in Wyoming basketball is, is as good as it's been since, you know, Larry Shy took this team to the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, seven years ago or so, but just how it's been done, you know, what Jeff Linder has been able to do is, you know, come in here and, and bring in guys, you know, and not just bring in guys, but develop those guys and, and get the buy-in from the guys that were here, you know, Hunter Maldonado, obviously the best example of that, just how to, how he and his staff have put that all together and, and, and get it rolling, you know, now what happens down the road, you know, again, I know Jeff Linder said a lot, you know, you're only as good as your last game. You can't start looking ahead. You can't, you know, you know, read your own press clippings. There's a lot of stuff that this team still needs to do and accomplish, but just to see how this has transformed in such a, a short period of time is just, it's amazing. You don't see turnarounds like this at Wyoming that often, you know, this is more of, all right, we're going to build this. It's going to take some time, you know, and what Jeff Linder and his staff have done have been nothing but miraculous to me at this point. Yeah. Now the speculation about the coach is how long is Jeff Linder going to be here? And, and, you know, my advice to all Wyoming fans would be, don't worry about it. Enjoy the ride while he's here for as long as it lasts. And he will be moving he will be moving on someday to bigger and better things. And by my calculations, he would be the first guy to leave that position for another position since Jim Brandenburg went to San Diego state. And and my guess is he would learn from that long ago history lesson and, and won't be taking a job within the conference. He'll be going up and up if he, if he were to leave. Uh, I I agree a hundred percent. And again, I agree, you know, enjoy this while you can, I'll say this, Ryan, and, you know, as not just as a, someone who covers this team, but also has followed Wyoming athletics since, you know, we were young, it's been a long time, whether it's even football and even basketball that, you know, yeah, I understand how you don't want to lose when you get good coaches and, you know, and stuff, you don't want to lose them. I get it. I'm not disputing that at all. Rather lose them because they're doing a good job and not because they, they're getting fired and you're starting over again. It's been a long time since Wyoming's been in that position. And I'm not saying Jeff Linder's gone after this year. You know, he may be here a long time, whatever it is. But at least if if Jeff Linder leaves, it's because he's done a good job at Wyoming, not because, oh, this this hire didn't work out. Now we're gonna we're gonna start again. It's been a long time. I know. Wyoming's been known as a stepping stone for coaches, whether it's been basketball or football over the years. And I know that drives fans crazy. And I'm again, I'm not saying that it shouldn't, but it's nice to be a stepping stone instead of being a welcome mat or a door, you know, a doormat, you know. So um, you know, I guess that's my that's my my take on that. Take that for what it is. I I don't want to see Jeff Linder leave Wyoming anytime soon. I'm sure a lot of fans don't, but in this case, if he does, it's because he's done a good job, not because things haven't worked out. Yeah, and the good news is, and he's done a phenomenal job, is that, you know, he he's a front-range guy. He's from the north Denver suburbs. He's well aware of Wyoming's tradition. That's why he took the job. He loves uh, fly fishing and, and the outdoors and, and everything about it. And I did talk to Tom Berman last week, and he's aware of what the interest is going to be and said they're going to do everything they possibly can to keep him here, here long-term and take it for what it's worth. But Berman said he's confident that Linder will be a cowboy for a long time. So uh, I wouldn't worry about it. You know, I think Linder's smart enough to know that if, if he were to return next year, even if they make the Sweet 16 this year and bring Graham E.K. back for another year of development, uh, maybe talk Maldo into a sixth year of Laramie living 
that those opportunities would be there a year from now or two years from now or whatever. Um, there's no hurry, or but it's got, you know, it, it is what it is. If he delivers a Mountain West championship and some NCAA tournament runs, that's uh, better than many of his predecessors did that Wyoming had to pay not to coach anymore. So you know, I wouldn't worry it, about it. Enjoy you know, the ride, everybody. Enjoy the ride. And, and, you know, another reason why I personally like Jeff Lender is because he does, he is a fly for, he is a fisherman, he is an angler. You know, I'd, you know, I'd be more than willing to take him to a couple of my secret spots and, uh, you know, take him fishing, you know, if he, if he's not that he probably needs anyone to take him fishing or probably knows plenty around here, he wants to go do a little fishing. I can hook coach Linder up. So, you know, I don't know if, if, if Jeff listens to our podcast, but, uh, sure. He's got a lot of other pressing things on his plate at this point. Uh, Hey, if he wants to go fishing coach, I'm, I'm your guy. I, I got some spots for you. I got some spots. It's funny that you mentioned that because for my Dome of Doom story, which I think everyone should check out from Sunday's Star Tribune, you know, I wanted to talk to some longtime season ticket holders about, you know, what, what it was like during those dark times and, and now it's coming back. And one of the guys I talked to was Doug Campbell, uh, who's, you know, from Saratoga, owns the Wolf Hotel, you know, makes the drive over through snow every year, even when they're not good for all the games. And and I mentioned to him, you know, like, even I can catch fish in Saratoga, and I'm not a fisherman. You should have Linder come up there. And, and he's like, oh, believe me, he's been up here. My grandson's a, a fishing guide. He's been up here. We've had him up here. So, uh, you know, I, I think Linder gets it. And uh, I don't think he's going to leave unless it's for another special opportunity. So uh, enough on that. And we'll see what happens with the border war and, and this race. And Robert and I will check in more frequently as we go here, uh, now that we're back uh, in a rhythm. Um, but, but before I get you out of here, Robert, since we haven't talked for so long, as I mentioned, since the season ended in football, you know, obviously it was chaos there for a while. Wyoming lost 11 players to the NCAA transfer portal, um, most of them right after the bowl game, including, you know, both quarterbacks, uh, the leading wide receiver in Isaiah Nayor, you know, the leading running back in Russia and Xavion Valade, both starting cornerbacks, some key safeties, the list goes on. And for a while there was panic mode with the fan base. And even inside, uh, I think the coaches' offices, there was some what's going on here. You know, uh, Craig Ball mentioned that he usually likes to go out, you know, to his dad's farm and have a beer and relax after the season. This year it was pulling all nighters trying to figure out this portal situation. Now, they did add, you know, five guys from the portal, including, you know, th- some key power five guys to fill in some of those spots. Uh, they added Utah State quarterback, uh, you know, Andrew Peasley. They added a junior college quarterback and Evans Svoboda. Overall, how would you uh, sum up or grade, you know, the comings and goings and how they handled that? Well, I, I just think, Ryan, it was going to be a matter of time until the, the transfer portal affected Wyoming because it really hadn't up to this point. And I know it's not like the portal's been around for years and years, but, you know, this was the first time it, it, it really affected Wyoming. And it certainly certainly had a big effect, obviously, as you just stated. Yeah, and um, obviously what changed with the portal is now you enter it, you go somewhere else, you play right away. You don't even worry about it. Right. No right now. Yeah, no sitting out. So I, I thought it was just a matter of time before it did. I wasn't sure if it was going to hit, 
like it did. Um, I think you look at some of these, those situations, Ryan, you know, like, you know, a lot of these guys had already gotten their degree and they wanted to, you know, try something else, you know, and I, I, I don't necessarily blame, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, I would love to see most or all those players, you know, come back, but, but that's, that's what's, you know, the portals for, you know, the quarterback thing. I wasn't surprised with Sean Chambers, I guess how Levi Williams, left after being named the MVP and he was clearly entrenched as the starter for this team as the you know, once he became a starter, he was clearly entrenched as the starter. Um, that surprised me a little bit, but you know, I think Ryan, I don't know if you can necessarily put, you know, put your finger on one thing or even a set of things that led to this to, led to 11 guys transfer. I think with almost everyone, there was probably some, some, some differences in that. And then the fact you with some of the offensive guys, maybe they thought, you know, maybe I can go better, better utilized. And okay. If, if that's how you feel, I mean, that's, that's part of it. It was nice to see, you know, a guy like X who's going to, you know, Arizona state, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see X back in Wyoming uniform, but he's went to a power five school, you know, obviously Neor had, had his choices of, of major, not just, you know, power five. I mean, big time power five. It shows that Wyoming's doing a good job or, has done a good job of identifying talent, but that's, we're kind of in an era now. And I'm just wondering if, you know, maybe the style of offenses maybe led to some of the offensive guys doing that, but you know, no one's ever going to say that to, to you or me or anything like that, but I think Wyoming handled it well. I mean, on paper, these guys look good and, you know, some coming from power five schools, but just see what they do on the field. But uh, still think, you know, they have a chance. They still have a very good base. And you, I think we talked about this briefly, Ryan, on one of our last podcasts where, Wyoming's got a lot of young players in the program right now. Didn't you say 70-some, you know, freshmen, retro freshmen and sophomores in, in the wings, you know? And sometimes you got like C.J. Colvin, who's not saying he wouldn't have had a, a, another good year for Wyoming if he'd have stayed, but, you know, sometimes it's the next it's the next guy up. It's the, it's someone else's turn, you know? It's, and it's someone, you know, and for veterans, it's time for something new for them. You know, four or five years somewhere is a long time and stuff, so – I think Wyoming's going to be fine, but now I think they kind of got hit in the face of what this transfer portal's like. I don't know how that's going to affect them moving forward, but now, you know, they did go into the portal. They got some guys. Now they're somewhat more familiar with that now. And I think that has to become part of their recruiting dynamic, you know, not just say, well, you know, I think that has to become a stronger thread in their, in their dynamic, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys out there that are going to be in the portal. This isn't going away anytime soon. So um, I think Wyoming's okay. I, I, I agree. I think there was some panic set in and some unnecessary panic and speculation from fans and stuff like that, but it, it was new for them. They'd never seen this either. So I guess it remains to be seen. I think they handled it well. I still think Wyoming's going to be, you know, Craig Bull's still going to try to do it with high school kids, but I think now that they know that the portal can be a very valuable tool. And if you're a Wyoming you got to exhaust every recruiting avenue you can. And if that includes the portal, then I think moving forward, that has to be a part of, of, of you know, a significant part of the recruiting thread. Yeah. Uh, first, I think credit to Craig Ball, because on signing day, instead of just talking about the recruiting class, he spent over an hour or about an hour with the media just going over all of this stuff. And he was very candid about it. And I think he and Tom Berman agree that 11 is too many. That cannot be a yearly thing. You have to have more stability than that. But you're going to have to expect there's going to be four, five, six guys every year that want to try something else, whether that's they've been in Laramie for 
three and a half years and have their degree and want to try something else, or they're not getting playing time, or there's just a, a communication issue, which Bull, to his credit, said he had to look at himself in the mirror and realize, you know, not necessarily that he's going to re-recruit guys every year for five years, but he acknowledges that he needs to communicate better with his team and let each guy know where they stand, what they need to work on, where they are in their development, and what they need to do to succeed. And, you know, maybe there was uh, some miscommunication with, you know, specifically I would think the quarterback situation last year where, um, you know, that got ugly with <clears throat> sticking with Sean maybe a game too long and <clears throat> throwing Levi in there. And, you know, Levi had some success off and on, obviously some great success against Utah State where he ended up, some tremendous success in the bowl game. but. Uh, you know, overall, I think it adds a lot of intrigue to the Mountain West when you think about that Utah State game next year. I'm pretty confident Peasley, if healthy, will be playing in that game. Not so confident about Levi. Obviously, Utah State has a couple uh, returning quarterbacks that will have a major say uh, in who starts next season. But um, another thing I think to keep in mind, and it is an individual case-by-case basis, and you know, X had been here, what, five years? Uh, you know, the cornerbacks, Azizi Hearn, had been at Arizona before he was at Wyoming for several years. So they had been here a long time, a lot of them. Some of them, you know, obviously you're really going to miss. Isaiah Nayor comes to mind as a player. Now, was it all the system? I don't know. I think that had a big thing to do with it. And, and that's the one area of the press conference where <clears throat> Bull was asked, you know, is it your lack of passing that led to a lot of this, this, um, these guys leaving? And he, you know, I don't know if he regrets or not, but he basically came out and said, we wanted to pass, but these guys couldn't complete basic hitch routes, which a lot of fans were mad that he kind of, and some ex-players mad that he kind of was throwing Chambers and Williams skills under the bus, considering he recruited them and, was in charge of trying to develop them. So I want to get your take on that, Ryan, because I, you know, I remember reading that and I'm like, wow, you know, and as journalists, as you know, we've been practicing, you know, we've talked to a lot of coaches, you know, over the years and they, you know, not that they're ever not honest with us, but you know, they'll give us coach speak. But obviously I, I thought, and granted I've, I've covered Craig Bull and now you have too. That was a very honest answer from Craig Bull. I don't think his intention there was going out to throw those guys under the bus and say they're no good or anything like that. But he was very honest about that. I want. I'm curious of your take when when you when he said those things in, to, to to you guys in the media. And this wasn't an off the record thing. I mean, this was a you know this was on the record, and he said that. What what were your thoughts about that? Did you feel like he was throwing those two guys under the bus, or you just felt like he was being honest? I, I'm curious of your take when you heard him say those words. I think two things can be true at the same time. I think he probably should have taken a deep breath and said, that's going to be on us to develop players and get more productive passing, mm-hmm. passing, you know, guys that can quarterback this team better. And that's on us. And, and you know, his wording I, I would disagree with because these are college players, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that he's not right. I mean, we all watched Sean Chambers and Levi Williams pass the ball and it was not great. And granted in their defense, when you're only passing the ball in some cases, 10, 11 times a game, 
it can be very hard to get in rhythm. You know, you're probably wondering why can't I target Isaiah Nayor 15 times in this game? He's going to come down with 10 of them for 200 yards. Mm-hmm. So I think there's blame to go around player and coach. Um, I think Bull would probably take a deep breath and maybe rephrase that a little bit. Um, but at the same time, that leads me to believe that <clears throat> they believe Peasley is going to be an upgrade and that, you know, uh, that Svoboda, who has, you know, uh, a Josh Allen story as far as not being recruited, going to junior college, his size and everything could develop into that next star player someday. I would expect Peasley this year to be the guy because of his experience. So I think there's hope there. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's just interesting how that the emotions got involved there. Um, you know, and, and the other thing about, about Wyoming is, you know, they're still going to bring in high school freshmen, every recruiting class, 20 of them or 25 of them. And I asked Craig, does, you know, your developmental program, you know, that's what they label their program. It's a developmental program is, is known for Josh Allen and, and Logan Wilson and Andrew Wingard, like developing lightly recruited players to be NFL starters. And now I, I asked him, does that change now where you're developing, you know, an Isaiah Nayor from somebody nobody wanted into, you know, arguably the Mountain West best receiver. And then you just know that maybe he's going to finish his uh, last year or two at, at a power five uh, program. And, you know, Craig's response was, we're, we're going to try to find more like the developmental players that like Chad Moomer that want to be here for four years. But at the same time, we're not going to stop recruiting the Nayors of the world just out of fear that they might leave someday. So I thought that was a, a much better response to a, a tough question. Yeah. And, and I would agree with you on all those points, Ryan. I mean, you know, I, yeah, Craig could have really, you know, you know, taken a deep breath and thought, but again, when they're the ones that practice and seeing those things now, granted, you know, you're right. It's the coach's responsibility to bring that stuff along and, and coach that. And maybe they didn't do a good enough job to do that. You know, I guess only time will tell how, how Levi does at Utah state and how Sean does at Montana state and certainly hoping both those kids, you know, flourish, flourish there, you know, no, um, but it'll just be interesting, but it's just, you know, now Wyoming got, has the taste of this portal stuff now, and now it'll be interesting to see how it moves on and, and stuff. But you look at, you know, there's one part of me, you know, going back and, and look, I'm not, you know, yeah, Wyoming was run heavy, you know, they didn't pass. And I, and I think in, in ideally in their ideal plan there, they didn't want to pass a whole lot to, to win football games and that's fine. But even if they were, what, in your opinion, look, Isaiah Nars was an incredible talent. You know, I'm not taking anything away from his talent when I, when I state this, but let's say if that Wyoming threw the ball 30 or 35 times a game, and obviously Nayor's that guy, you know, Teams probably didn't think, yeah, we got to watch this guy. We got to defend this guy, but we're not going to bracket this guy because one is not going to throw it all that much. But would Isaiah Noir put up even bigger, bigger numbers if Wyoming wasn't in the system they were? You know, I, to me, a big part of why Isaiah Noir was so as productive as he was is because of Wyoming's run game because they weren't bracket teams weren't bracketing him or bringing safeties down all the time to try to double him because that Wyoming simply didn't throw the ball that much. So I, I, there's a part of me that thinks that 
Mayor's success, at least his his production, not his God given talent, which there's a lot of, was part of reason. It was partly because Wyoming did throw run the ball so much. You know what I mean? Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think uh, you know. Obviously, they should have targeted him more because it was so successful almost every time. Yeah. But yeah, to your point, you know, if if Wyoming said, you know what, we have Nayor, Levi's coming along, and we like some of these other receivers, let's uh, let's pass the ball 40 times a game, then you're getting away from your identity. And I know fans want more balance, but then Titus wins in the portal. And you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. This is Wyoming's identity. They're going to run the ball. They are deep at running back, even with X leaving. They, you know, are deep at tight end. You know, they're going to block, use two tight ends and block, and they're going to run. So that's what they're going to do. And what you hope is that Peasley is more accurate. <clears throat> He's a, a good runner. You know, he lit up Air Force in the second half of a victory at Falcon Stadium that I happened to catch on TV and was super impressed by. You know, something where that the same field in the same second half where chamber season kind of went to die, you know, this guy got it done. So um, let's not forget he was the starter at the start of the season for Utah State until uh, the Arkansas State transfer who, you know, their coach had brought to be the starter until he got up to speed. So this guy has a lot of talent. And, uh, you know, that's the beauty of all this chaos, Robert, is spring football practices are going to have a lot of storylines and a lot of guys are going to get opportunities to do some things. And just to close the loop on the portal, you know, it, it does swing both both ways. And if you're a Wyoming fan, you have to be encouraged that Bull, who was so like, oh, we're not really interested in the portal for years, goes out and gets, you know, Cole DeMarzo, uh, linebacker from Michigan State, who's probably thinking, okay, Logan Wilson, Chad Muma, okay, I'll go there and see what I can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you replace the two corners you lost with Darren Hall from Wisconsin. And Ja'Cory Hawkins from Miss Ole Miss, who was recruited by Alabama, by the way. And, you know, there's stories about him tracking in the GPS at 26 miles an hour. So, yes, you lose these some of these guys you developed and they're going to power fives. And that's that's not great. But at the same time, you are you have added just with those three, three power five players who were four star recruits that never would have considered Wyoming coming out of high school. Now they're at Wyoming and this is their last chance. So they're going to ball out. So it swings both ways. Yep. And hopefully it swings well for the Cowboys. And you're right. Spring football. I I don't know about you. You've covered your share of spring football. It was always fun for me because you're writing about football. We're talking about football. There never seemed to be a lack of, of storylines for, for me when I was covering spring football, maybe a little bit near the end, just, you know, after you hit some things, I don't know about you, Ryan. I don't think you're going to have any trouble finding storylines this spring football for the Cowboys. <laughs> no, and before we get out of here, I mean, you know, uh, the staff is going to be different. Pete Caligas obviously went to Washington State to be the associate head coach. He was the longest tenured assistant in Wyoming history. And then Derek Frazier is going to the Cincinnati Bengals. So Wyoming's going to have their umpteenth offensive line coach under bowl. And that's that's an interesting one to me because it seemed like, I don't know if it was Derek Frazier or, you know, Polasek, the offensive coordinator tinkering with it, but it seemed like they, the strength of the team was supposed to be the offensive line. They were all seniors. They were all, you know, tons of experience. 
just never got on track. There were games where they got on track, you know, CSU, Utah State, the Potato Bowl. So now they have added, you know, another offensive line coach, Joe Tripodi, who is, you know, a veteran guy. Um, and then they've added Oscar Giles, a longtime Texas assistant, uh, to, to replace Caligus and, and, and uh, coach on the defensive line. So that, those are two more storylines. You know, can Tripodi get on the same page with Polasek? And can some of these young offensive linemen who are really talented, you know, take it to the next level now that these seniors are gone or most of them are gone. Um, and then Oscar Giles, it doesn't hurt. And Wyoming's had some good success with Texas players recently. Uh, Swin, Nayor come to mind. This guy knows every high school coach in Texas, so that's only going to help them there. So I think a couple interesting hires there. And, you know, speaking of the offensive line and, and where this all started with Bulls sighting day press conference, they get, you know, a five-star or – it was, was he a four-star? A four-star offensive lineman, Deshaun Woods, the highest-ranked recruit they've had in the era of recruiting rankings, flips from Missouri to Wyoming. Uh, it sounds like, according to Bull, they vetted him and the academic issues that are rumored to be why you know, the Power Fives got off him late. Bull doesn't expect any problems. So it will be interesting to see, even though it's offensive line, a developmental position, when you have a player of that caliber, does he get on the field early and, and get right in the fray? Because obviously uh, he's a special talent. He could have a chance. It's interesting, you know, the, the new offensive line coach, you know, Polsek certainly had worked with him and knows him. I'm not saying Polsek was the one who hired him. Obviously it was Craig Bull, but I think there was that relationship there. And you're right, Ryan. I mean, you know, I think all the offensive line coaches, even some that were only here for a couple of weeks, you know, certainly had were good and obviously moved on. And that says something about them. But, you know, be nice to get some continuity with that offensive line. Those kids deserve that. I mean, you know, that's interesting to me, you know, and and and, and, the, and the hiring of Giles, not just a, not, I'm sure he's a very good coach and everything. But they're all in in Texas. I mean, I remember when 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 Craig Bowl got here, I go, you know, are you going to recruit in Texas? And he goes, well. Past history hasn't been that great here, but I've certainly done it. But once they got into Texas, Ryan, they got continued. They got more committed and committed. I mean, if and this just says if they weren't all in before, this just solidifies it. It just even means they're more all in, if that's even a term. And uh, and they've had they've had their success in Texas. Um, so that just going reinforces that. So that'll be interesting. And I don't know. I know you didn't get to work with Pete Kalik as much, Ryan. Uh, but I know it meant a lot to you the, the time you did. And I know my times, you know, of ta just talking to him, doing stories about him or even his players. One of the classiest guys I've ever been around in all my years of covering college sports. And, uh, you know, hate to see him go, um, but certainly wish him the best of luck with um, with all the guys with Coach Dickert up at Washington State and all those guys. It just feels like that's like Wyoming Northwest now with some of the staff members up there and hope it works well. But Pete Calicus far and away one of the one of the greatest guys just greatest people I've ever met let alone his ability to coach football and his knowledge of the game but just one of the greatest people I've ever met in my time covering sports yeah I was obviously only on the beat for his last four months out of 13 years and I caught up with him on the phone when he had already left for Washington State just kind of you know look back at his his time in Laramie and he was so appreciative that uh that we were even interested in that. I was like, well, you know, you're, I did some research. You're the longest tenured assistant in Wyoming history. If you can believe that. 
So uh, he, he appreciated just the coverage of, of the team and sent me a handwritten thank you note for writing an article about him that I would write about, you know, any assistant that leaves. So great guy. And that's really the other thing I'm looking forward to this spring and for the 22 season knock on wood is, you know, a lot of the 21 season, you know, they did zooms a lot of the time just to cut down on the possibility of COVID-19 spreads. You know, they really wanted to get, you know, 13 games in after the misery of the year before of what were they two and four. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that, you know, and that's the plan right now is more personal interactions with players and coaches, one-on-one interviews in person, that type of thing, because it really helps you tell their stories and you get to know them and uh, you just have a much better feel for what's going on. Definitely. Definitely. All right, Robert, thanks so much for your time and uh, let's do it again soon. Maybe uh, as this mountain race heats up, we'll, we'll keep at it. Yeah, let's 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 keep doing it. You know, this the way this basketball season's going. Lots to talk about. Spring football coming up. I'm I'm on board. You tell me when and where, and I'm there. I'm there. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, check out all my uh, work at trip.com. Until next time.